It wasn't exactly like uh, a, like a true tempo. I was like kind of skipping around all that. How, uh, isms good. I am good, pal. But I, I kind of want to take this this uh, opportunity to get a little serious for a moment. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I. You know, you and I both are very open minded people, and we're very sympathetic to different groups. Uh, you know, demographics of people, minority groups, fans of of certain things. And the last episode, I said some stuff that I'm not, I'm not proud of. Um, I, you know, referred to this specific character in a way that a lot of people, a lot of people wrote me and uh, are just not happy about it. Mm. And, uh, you know, again, I'm not proud of what I said, but when I referred to this character as the crappy orange kid uh, from this the 1986 classic Silverhawks. A lot of people got upset because his actual name is the Copper Kid. Hey folks, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, pal. Hey, man. (laughs) I just know, well, I know you've been practicing, I can tell. Um, Doing your breathing exercises. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it honestly, it's like the more I think about it, the mm-hmm. the, the like it just gets twice as as bad. I'm super nervous. Yeah, it's kind of like what we talk about whenever you're like in line mm-hmm. at the uh, like a fast exactly. food restaurant, or someone hands you the the menu and you know mm-hmm. what you're gonna get, but then when the yep. waiter comes, you're like, uh, uh, um, um, I'm kind of like that now too, man. You wore off on me. Yeah, just just pure confusion. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially. Especially because I always have to like preface with like no onions. I've just started saying that I'm allergic to onions. Um, uh, yeah, and that goes any, down a little. Yeah, okay, little that's fair. Yeah, because most of the time they're going to ask you any food allergies, and you're like, mm-hmm. yes, onions. Now that yep. kid walking back to the uh, to the back to put in that order is thinking to himself, "There's no such thing as an allergy to onions." <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there is. But. Well. I mean, you never know. But that's a good idea. That's that's intuitive. Yeah. You know, uh, that's some good innovative thinking. I like it, mm-hmm. and I like that um, you're that you're uh, you know holding yourself accountable, and you're yeah. apologetic about you know all those uh, copper kid advocates out there. And so, yeah, there's them, a lot of them. We salute you. We salute you. We really do. One interesting thing, which actually kind of ties into our episode today. Have okay. you seen a, a photo of the copper kid in a while? I mean, yeah. And if you if you guys are out there, have no idea what we're talking about. We're talking about the crappy orange kid from the Silverhawks cartoon. <laughs> um, but no, so I, I looked him up, and this is kind of weird. Um, and I, I feel like is there a little like tie in with what we're doing today, and okay. like Sam, maybe Sam the Sandown Clown. So he's the only one in the group that's from a different planet, and he's from a planet called the Planet of Mimes. Ooh. He speaks in tones and whistles, 
and his face is painted like a jester or clown. Man. I mean, oh, oh, and he has large, like, pointed ears, which will play into what we're talking about today. How about bug teeth? Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, you know, one of the messages that we got from from an, an apparent copper, copper kid advocate was uh, mm-hmm. from our buddy Christian, and he sent us that, and, you know, you described all of those characteristics, and I didn't even notice them, you know, because I just immediately remember, like, oh, yeah, the copper kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't even think about, you know, his origin and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I had totally forgotten. I thought he was just like a, uh, you know, those sort of throwaway, like... Sidekicks? Yeah, kind of sidekick characters. Kind of like, um, and I never can, I always forget his name. The little the little wizard from He-Man. Oh, yeah, like, oh, God. Is it like Man, Orlo, to, Ortho? It starts with an O. Little wizard from He-Man. I just spelled He-Man. Heim Orko. Oh, you, Orco. oh, you mean Orko. Like I, did <laughs> I knew it all along. You oh, you mean know. Orco. Oh, Orco. Yeah. I know him well. He's sort of like the, I don't know if it's like comedic relief. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of that 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 uh, that trope of sort of the, like Robin. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they always had like a kid. So I think, uh, like I've, I've read a lot about the thinking behind this was sort of like, oh, well, you know, as a kid, they'll they'll relate more to another, you know, fellow kid that's the sidekick to the the big hero. But I don't know that kids ever really have thought that way. I think that's sort of an adult mm-hmm. sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 No, I mean, no. I hated Robin as a kid. Oh, really, man? I liked him. I mean, not I think he's cool this, now. Not, hey, I'm not talking about what's his name. Who? Uh, Damien? Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> I'm just saying, just Robin in general, dude. I kind of liked, uh, I don't know. I thought he was cool. I mean, yeah, serious. I mean, that's a common trope. I mean, Don Quixote. I mean, there's mm-hmm. always like a little sidekick that's just kind of not quite getting it right sometimes. Yeah, the Lone or Ranger. The have, opposite uh, sometimes where like the sidekick knows more than the main character. Wallace and Gromit, for example. Me and the kids yeah. were watching that the other day, and it's like the dog is always just mm-hmm. kind of like, ugh. <laughs> so today we are talking about a topic that... I'm actually pretty surprised that I had never heard of this before. Mm-hmm. I, f- I felt originally like, well, maybe maybe we had touched on it when we were covering some some other topics, but I really don't think I don't think we did. Yeah. And today we are talking about the Black Flash of Provincetown. So this is, uh, oddly enough, while I was doing the research into this, I think we've covered the New England area <laughs> maybe more than any other area. Yeah, well, besides Australia, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. That's true. So this comes from a lot of this. Uh, there's a great article about this on a site called ufoinsight.com. And they do a really, really good job breaking down a lot of the sort of the timeline of things. But basically, this story sort of began in the fall of 1939. Well, I say that, but actually there's some other people that say that it actually goes back much, much earlier. But basically it started in Provincetown, Massachusetts. 
And it was sort of this thing that the kids began to claim to see. And they, you know, the parents just kind of brushed it off. It's like, oh, well, it's just wild imaginations. And, you know, Halloween Mm. is just around the corner. And, uh, you know, the nights are getting darker. And, you know, these kids are just kind of scaring themselves. You know, because this was a time, much like when you and I, Woody, were kids, where we played outside all the time. All the time. We were not staring at screens. We were not, you know, I mean, I mean, we had to come in when it was like completely dark. Mm-hmm. Not just like, oh, it's starting to get a little dark. We're yeah. talking like when the street lights came on. And these these kids were basically claiming that, you know, all around this this area of Provincetown, which was around like 3,500. I've heard two things. I've heard 3,500 or 4,500 people. Um, okay. So pretty small, but I guess, you know, kind of decent size for, for back then. Just for but geography the, real quick, because it doesn't okay. sound like you're going to get into that for our international listeners and oh, sorry. for our listeners that don't really know a whole lot about Massachusetts in mm-hmm. general. Provincetown is basically a little town located at the extreme tip of Cape Cod. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's like a coastal resort town now. It's actually like really cool in terms of arts that I found. It's like a very like heavy sort of art community, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool. And uh, I don't know if you want me to, well, I'll get back into the history of this town because I think that's going to be applicable and interesting here uh, mm-hmm. as we kind of dive into this uh, this weird thing that these kids are seeing. Basically, they were seeing the this figure that was massively tall and this this will sort of be featured in the accounts from the children into the adult accounts as well where it you know some say anywhere from eight to ten to even one or two even said 12 feet so this is a huge thing it was always dressed in black and which we're going to get into this as we i don't want to give give up the ghost this early but he or uh, not he but it had these sort of characteristics of what it would do that are kind of similar to some things that you may have heard before it was known to sort of leap out of like bushes or leap out of you know jump over these like hedges and you know scare children Hmm. the kids would also claim to see glowing eyes they, there were some accounts that they claimed to see that it had a metal or silver face Whoa. with long pointed silver ears, Man. which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm looking at you, Copper Kid, because <laughs> he also has this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was this really sort of terrifying things to the kids. And, you know, like I said before, earlier on, the parents were just sort of thinking like, oh, well, it's just... They're just kind of scaring themselves, and there's nothing to it. Right. Well, that would happen until the late October evening in 1939, where a woman by the name of Mary Costa, who was a local, uh, she was walking through the town, and just as she passed the town hall, something leaped out of the cover of the bushes Mm. that was, you know, I guess, up ahead of her. Mm -hmm. Uh, She would later claim that the menacing figure to be around 10 feet tall with pointed silver ears and glowing blue eyes. Jeez. It simply stared at Costa for several moments. Then, with little warning as to when this strange creature had arrived, it leaped high and away from the area, continuing to jump and leap until it was out of sight. 
Okay, now, this is about as much as I kind of know. You kind of described this to me, and I was Mm -hmm. instantly like, yes, let's do that, but don't tell me anymore. I kind of want to like learn it, you know, as we're kind of diving into it in the studio. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did some research on Provincetown in general Mm because I want to know the history and all that. But, dude, immediately when Tyler told me just this amount of information where he's like, okay, there's Mm -hmm. this entity or this person or something that's all dressed in all black it's got pointy mm-hmm. ears uh and then blue glowing eyes and then it's just leaping away and all this kind of stuff i was yeah. like dude we had to have talked about this because this reminds right. me so much can i go ahead and say it yeah give it up after these messages we'll be right back america's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions it was very For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures from another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. This is Joshua Cutchin, and you're at my home for weirdness. That would be rad. I mean, it sounds exactly like Spring-Heeled Jack. Mm -hmm. Right? It sure does. I mean, there were like I think that's why in our minds are like, I mean, did we talk about this back then? You know, I don't I, know. I don't. I don't think so. I, I. I think maybe we, if we did, it was just kind of in passing. And if you were interested in that episode, we covered it. That would be rad. Season two, episode nineteen, Spring Hill Jack. And just to give some context for for folks that either haven't listened to that episode yet, or or will maybe after this one. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note that Spring Hill Jack, the first sighting of him, mm-hmm. was in 1837. Yeah, right. The, the last sort of known one, quote unquote, known one or mm-hmm. documented one was in 1904 in, in Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Yep. And here we are in, what did you say, 1939, uh, right? Yes. And sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt just then, but I, I just, man, I just want to remind everybody that that's exactly what I thought of whenever I heard that description. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. So she watched this thing just in in terror. I mean, because think about this, you know, the sun's going down, mm-hmm. she's walking through town, but she's also in a very public place. Yeah. She's right in front of the town hall, pr- probably at the center of town. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden this thing jumps out that's 10 foot tall. So almost double, you know, presumably, almost double the height of this woman. Mm-hmm jumps out, scares her, and then with no warning, just leaps. And basically it says, I didn't really understand. At first I thought she was saying that like, it just, it was like one big jump. But I think she said, she's saying, because it says it leaped high and away from the area, continuing to jump and leap until it was out of sight. So I'm guessing it's just like a, like a kangaroo hop. Or I like to imagine those boots from the original Mario movie with the boot. You don't remember the come on dude. I'm pretty sure we talked about this when we talked about Spring Hill Jack, you know, like in the original Mario movie with John Leguizamo. Yeah. And I uh, thought you were gonna talk about the moon boots from the eighties. No, no, no. These things like would just that's how they like jumped. It was so <laughs> stupid and awesome at the same time. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think he was just like you said, just bouncing. Uh which is one of the in my opinion, is one of the really lame sort of write-offs of Spring Hill Jack, too. They're like, oh, he just had springs attached to his feet. Yeah, like, what, like what is this, Roger Rabbit? 
Yeah, exactly. And it's sort of like, I, I don't, I mean, you know, 1939, Spring Hill Jack going all the way back to, would you say, 18, uh, 1837? 1837, yeah. I just, I find that very, very hard. I find that harder to believe than an actual, like, demon mm. being able to jump. And so she's terrified, Mary Costa. She quickly makes her way to a nearby coffee shop. You know, she could still see the light on. Several men in the shop went to see if they could track down the assailant, but they never could find him. She made the report to the local police, who were gracious enough to record the details, but didn't necessarily think of it, or didn't necessarily treat it with any sort of concern. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We talked about this, I think, uh, with Spring Hill Jack and other sort of instances Mm -hmm. where there's like a female that's kind of hysterical about something, and they're probably just like, well, she's probably, you know, hey. Hey, John, she's yeah. probably having that time again, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know? So. Yeah, she's, just, she's, she's a woman. She's just emotional. Yeah, she's just emotional. Yeah. I, well, and it is funny. This, this uh, I mean, since you've already given up Spring Hill Jack, this is also very parallel to uh, the Mad Gasser. Mad Gasser, yeah. Yep. Uh, which that wouldn't happen until 1941, but there there are some, a good bit of similarities. And there's also a, a bunch of other ones that, that I'm going to get into here in a bit that I'd actually never heard of, which mm. uh, I think I think could sort of prove to be a pretty cool kind of take on it. But, but yeah, so they didn't really believe her, I don't think, you know. And as you'll see, too, a lot of the response from the police chief, you know, ends up basically being exactly the same thing that they did with the Mad Gasser, mm. where mm-hmm. they're just like, they made up some story just to shut people up and get them, you know, to get them to quit calling it. Yeah, and not to say, look, not to say that their um, reaction was, you know, wrong or anything like that or or even right, but I will say that, you know, I, I, I think I am a different type of man than the 1939 mm-hmm. version, right? But still, woman, guy, it doesn't matter. Someone comes to me, you know, and says, you know, there's this guy outside and, and he was you know, eight feet tall, and he was just bouncing up and down away. He scared me from the thing. I mean, his eyes were glowing blue. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, ooh, okay, well, let's, hey, sit down for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it would be difficult for me to just take their word just right out of the gate. I think now, obviously, with the podcast and stuff, I'm a bit more open-minded than I would have been. Mm-hmm. But it, my initial reaction would have been like, I'll write down the details. You sound like you're yeah. having a psychotic break. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very like now, now. Mm-hmm. You're just you're just getting emotional. And again, I'm not trying to defend them, mm-hmm. but they just you know what else are you going to do? Uh, well, there is a period where they start to take it seriously, and so this would come in the weeks following Mary Costa's, you know, her report, mm-hmm. and basically all of the, there was a ton of reports that were essentially the same, and they were coming in on a daily basis. They were all telling of a, a mysterious figure uh, dressed entirely in black. Um, a lot of p- people would claim that its its face was black, and it was almost like a almost like a Grim Reaper type mm. character. It usually had some sort of cape. Again, they all would mention glowing eyes. According to some, were red. According to others, they were sort of like a silver blue colored. There were 
I guess 50% of the people would claim to see these, these long silver pointed ears as well. And this is fascinating as a weird buzzing sound uh, similar to a bee or a fly. Hmm. To me, that's really interesting because you know, you hear a lot of that with, you know, sleep paralysis. And I've actually encountered that in the one time that I've had sleep paralysis, where you do hear this like humming. I mean, it wasn't really like a like a high buzzing sound, but it was more like a sort of like a low kind of humming sound. But you do hear about that with with a lot of the sort of UFO sort mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. accounts and stuff, abduction yeah. accounts this sort of like buzzing or humming sound. So yeah, I know we've um, talked about that in yeah. multiple episodes. So there's yeah. that, like that is one of those sort of, you know, red threads yeah. that, that lead back to this to connect mm-hmm. it anyway. Yeah. They all claimed, every single one, regardless of, of if their descriptor changed from the next one, they all would claim that it could, it could leap or jump at an incredible height. At least over like 10 feet tall. Man. Which is pretty much impossible, you know. I yeah, mean, I'm unless you're think just... like 1939. I yeah, mean, right. there would have to be some real deal mechanical assistance here. Mm-hmm. You know, not just like a spring. Um, I'm picturing like some giant spring. You know what I'm talking about? Like on the bottom of a shoe. And it's like, oh, yeah. there goes the professor again. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I do kind of like, I, I don't... I don't really buy into this, but I do like the idea, especially with Spring Hill Jack, of that sort of, um, and the Mad Gasser, really, that sort of mm-hmm. steampunk type Yeah, technology. Thing. Uh, but I just, again, to me, that seems even harder to to believe than than Maybe, you know, yeah. I don't know. To, to me, I can't get it out of my head every time of thinking like this hilarious sort of, this guy's trying to be and trying to create like a superhero, mm-hmm. like costume, uniform or whatever. And mm-hmm. he's got all these gadgets and gear and he just can't get it right. And he's like trying to like, <laughs> you know, talk to somebody. And all of a sudden he pressed the wrong button. His eyes glowed blue and the lady's freaking out. And he's like, no way. And then just boom, boom. He just like hops mm-hmm. off into the distance and he just can't get it right, man. I don't know why that just makes me laugh like crazy. Well, I, you know, I, I think, I think, um, I think a lot of people would look at that as like, oh, well, some of the people would see, you know, red or orange glowing eyes. The others would see like a silver or blue color. Mm-hmm. To me, that take originally, I probably would have looked at that as like something to discredit them, maybe being like, oh, well, they're just making making stuff up, and you know. But since I had my own interaction, whenever you know, my now wife and I saw these orbs in my old loft, you know, th- there was a night where she would see, well, it, multiple times actually, where she would see something that was, we were looking at the exact same thing, but we were seeing completely different colors. It turns out Tyler's colorblind. And just to give like a real quick <laughs> no. recap of that story, you can listen to it. That would be rad. Season two, episode 39, the orb episode. We finally made it. So all of the reports that came in were, really pretty scary and pretty menacing, but mostly were all nonviolent. There was nothing that was really happening. Mm-hmm. You know, basically this this dark cloaked figure or caped figure. That's another thing that I that I don't entirely understand if they're are, are they saying like like a cloak as in like like a 
like, like a, a hood cloak. I mean, that's what I would maybe assume. Like a grim like, reaper again, kind like, of thing. Here's the thing. I, I you know, longtime listeners, you know this. I love, and well, I say love. I unfortunately get obsessed over like some true crime stories, and you know, mostly just I kind of want to become a detective like Columbo, you know, secretly in my heart. But like Mm -hmm. one of the things that I've kind of learned watching a lot of these things is like witnesses, to kind of go back to your point about like different colors and stuff, witnesses can observe the same event Mm -hmm. and have different descriptors of the same thing. That's part of the reason why, you know, police and detectives get a lot of different statements so that they can kind of make a, uh, almost like a, a, not a, not a compilation. What would I, uh, like, like a, a composite? Yeah, a composite sort of of what went down, you know. Mm-hmm. And certain details won't matter, and others will. They don't do it in a way of being like, "Well, that guy said orange eyes, and this lady said blue." It doesn't exist, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's more of just like to get an idea of what was going on and and paint the picture a little bit better. That now, being said, I, all that said, real quick, when they say cloak, when they say cape, I think there's just it, it's one and the same potentially. Yeah, uh, right. you know. And I'm just trying to get a mental image, and I'm not. See, like, my mental image is Jamie Lee Curtis is walking down the sidewalk. There's bushes. This freaking mm-hmm. hooded figure, like, leaps out. Mm-hmm. The You know, the, the hood maybe, like, falls back. It reveals these, like, silvery sort of Batman-looking silver mm-hmm. long ears. Yeah. And these glowing blue eyes. I don't know, man. It's scary as heck. But no, well, to- no violence yet, right? Yeah, yeah, no violence. So as the reports would continue, a a ton of different names would pop up. It it would be known as the Blot, the Provincetown Phantom, the Phantom Fiend, the Black Phantom, the Devil of the Dunes. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. But the Black Flash was sort of the one that endured. So at this point, the police are kind of having a tough time keeping up because while one started as, you know, Mary Costa and then you know several a day now it's they're coming in like like wildfire people are seeing this thing all over the place and what was weird about this and this is another pretty fascinating part about this they began getting these reports you know within minutes of each other that were coming from multiple locations so somebody on at the far east of town would call and say hey I just saw this thing you know, it jumped, you know, it, it jumped out of the bushes and scared me, and then it jumped off and disappeared. And then minutes later, they get another call all the way to the far west of the town that says the same thing. So it starts to hmm. maybe suggest that there's something maybe supernatural going on, It, you know, for the open-minded folks, or maybe there's multiple multiples of this thing. Mm-hmm. It's just really, really kind of interesting. I, I think that's a really cool, you know, kind of... Yeah, I mean, initially, like, my mind goes to, okay, was it some some sort of coordinated effort? Like, let's just mm-hmm. say that you right. think these are just people that are just out to spook people, mm-hmm. you know, as they're going home or late at night or whatever. A bunch of rowdy kids, you know, and this they didn't have Nintendo Switch back then mm-hmm. or Super Mario Brothers. They're going to go out there and they're just going to mess with people because that's, you know... They're being mischievous. Okay. Right. So then now it's a coordinated effort 
you know, 1939, you, you know, I'm, I'm thinking too, 1939 is an interesting year, man, because like... Like all the war stuff. Okay, so 1939, this is kind of, let's say you said October. So it's the tail end of, or, you know, kind of coming closer to the end of the, of the Great Depression. Right. And so like, you know, you're talking about a time when like physicians, lawyers were selling freaking cigarettes on the side of the road, right next to kids that were like four or five doing the oh, same yeah. thing, right? And so you're yeah. talking about a time when, hey, I don't think a lot of people are spending their quote-unquote free time mm-hmm. that they probably didn't have to throw on a black cloak and go mess with people. Yeah, right. You know? Right. It's just yeah. hard for me to kind of, I mean, that it, it isn't, you know, the, the 80s or the 90s or something when there was some abundance and people had time to just go people, <laughs> basically, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. And then like how would they coordinate that? back then as well like just a bunch a couple of hoots and hollers yeah yeah know. right it's wild yeah and especially and this is a theme that will will sort of continue on with with all you know once i even get into these other you know very sort of similar characters where it's like what is the end goal it's it's not like a, a jack the the ripper scenario where you have this menacing thing jump out but his intention is to murder or right you know like maim or assault or god for you know yeah like sexual assault and stuff you you would think that like all this this um intention and and thought going into okay well if it is a person we have to have a costume that gives the appearance that we're 10 to 12 feet tall eight well let's say eight to 12 feet tall there's a mask, there's ears, this thing. And then, you know, the the one common denominator is that every single person says that it's able to jump, you know, 10 plus feet up into the air and it just jumps away. So all of that going into this costume, as if that's even possible, I, I, I don't necessarily think it is in 1939, yeah. but just to have no sort of like end goal, you know? Yeah. Like, like to me, that's the thing that's sort of like, well, yeah, but why, you know? Yeah. So the majority of the, you know, every single one of these reports that were coming in were all really scary, but none were violent thus far. Another common sort of aspect with this is he would always, and this is where this sort of like shot up my, like pinged my, my thought back to like the idea of like the teleportation angle. Okay. Because... A lot of folks were saying that it would jump out from somewhere and, but there was never like a clear hiding place. Hmm. You know what I mean? It was, mm-hmm. it was like, like it would just jump out of view or like, you know. Almost um, like just like appear out of nowhere kind of Just kind of like it's appearing. Yeah. Hmm. Which is really, really interesting. And there's also several accounts where as it was like sort of jumping off, it would just sort of just disappear, you know, because a lot of times it was at night. And so... Was it truly just like hopping for miles or was it just making one big jump and then just sort of disappearing into the ether, you know? You know, it's weird that you said that about sort of like now that my mind's on the teleportation side of things and then mm-hmm. and then just kind of appearing out of nowhere, it now sounds more like um, Nightcrawler from the X-Men. Yeah, right. It does. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Bamf. Yep. Yeah, bamf. Exactly. So there were only a few incidents on record that would suggest any type of violence. There was a local by the name of Charles Farley, same thing. It jumped out at him. 
He had a pistol, he fired his gun. He claimed that he was really close. You know, I've heard sort of different, differing accounts. Uh, some say 10 feet away, some say three to four feet away. He shot it and the creature laughed like a maniacal laugh. Uh, and then jumped over a high fence and disappeared. Man. Another witness would claim that he was backed into the corner, forcing him to lash out and, you know, throw a punch at it. When he did that, the creature would, quote unquote, catch his fist in midair, apparently crushing his hand before tossing him to the ground. I think, I mean, that's like straight up, like a Batman type thing, you know? And so one of the common things was, well, it apparently has some sort of superhuman strength. And then here's my favorite part, is that there were several accounts that were claiming that they would see it breathe or like blow out blue flames from its mouth. Man. Which is my favorite part. And the reason I say that is because in the reports of Spring Hill Jack, it says that he could breathe out blue and white mm-hmm. flames and wore sharp metallic claws at the fingertips. I swear, I, man, this is just, it's just so familiar, man. I mean, I think it's familiar because it's... Yeah, so so similar. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just like Spring Hill Jack, you know? So there's this, I've listened to multiple podcasts this, and I cannot find this story anywhere. So I'm going to give my own sort of version of it. Apparently there's a story where there were three kids and they were playing out by the dunes. Like we said, in this area, it's sort of a like a coastal town. And, um, you know, these kids are kind of playing out by the dunes. And they see, which I guess their house was, was pretty close by. Mm-hmm. And they end up seeing this thing the one interesting thing is they they claim to see it like crawling, which is Weird. real scary. <laughs> like it wasn't just sort of lumbering towards them. It was just yeah. sort of like crawling. And then I think it once they realized that it started coming toward them, because they were playing hide and, hide and go seek, and they thought that, I think at first all of them thought that it was like somebody else. And then they all realized like at the same time, oh, wait a minute. This is... Oh, God, that's <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, dude, dude it's, it's so scary. So the kids run back into their house. They, you know, they're, they're hiding, like, behind, like, the kitchen or, or like, under the kitchen, uh, I don't know, like an island or, or something. And then they hear the doorknob, like, turning. And they hear, like, they hear it making noise outside of the door. And... This is the part that feels a little weird because I feel like this would take a minute. But apparently, like, to the kid's quick thinking, he boils a pot of hot water <laughs> while, you know, which, again, I don't, that seems weird. But apparently, the kid boils a pot of, of hot water. The, they, the kids claim that they can hear it, like, like, laughing and making, like, taunting noises and, like, wiggling the handle of the door, knocking on the door. Uh, but never just like coming in, which is, mm-hmm. it's an odd aspect to this. And I think it's certainly odd, especially since, you know, they would, depending on how much water mm-hmm. they were using, 
It would yeah. take from around two to maybe eight minutes to boil it. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's right. a long time of, yeah. of hearing a door rattle. Just to give you that example, we're now going to play eight minutes straight of door <laughs> rattling. We'll be back after that. We'll return after these messages. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, this, uh, you know, they boil this water, they run upstairs, and I guess there was like like a window looking out over the door that this thing, they end up pouring it on him, they hear this, you know, um, like blood curdling scream and the thing just bounds off jumping. You know, Mm -hmm. just disappears out into the dunes. So it's just, it's a, it's a weird, creepy kind of thing. Again, like, you know, we've we've already brought up Spring Hill Jack quite a bit, but, you know, just, just to kind of get a... For those folks who haven't heard the episode, he was sort of the same thing. He was known to have a, a possible, like, metallic helmet, very tight-fitting, like, white garment. Uh, he had eyes that were resembled red balls of fire. He had a black cloak on, sharp metallic claws very thin and same kind of thing he could jump massive heights i guess the last sighting of him was him leaping over uh, the rooftops of a housing estate near london mm-hmm. yeah, i think i don't think you mentioned this just just then but spring hill jack primarily mid to late 1800s southern mm-hmm. england yes you know, right so it wasn't us yeah 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 for sure and the thing too is is much like the Black Flash of Provincetown, Spring Hill Jack, there weren't really any violent encounters other than there there were a couple things where he would jump like out. Rip their clothes or something. Yeah, like that. he would like rip rip women's like clothes or, or blouses or whatever. I think there were a couple that that, that it, where he would sort of like slash like like fabric on mm. like a coat and stuff. But it, there, there again, there was never like a full-on, you know, attack or assault. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, again, it kind of leads you to believe, like, well, you know, maybe there was another motive. A lot of people believe that the Spring Hill Jack, you know, was a flesh and blood entity, and whereas with this thing, I think they were full-on kind of looking at, at this thing as a some sort of creature. I don't think Spring Hill Jack was ever known for being, like, ungodly tall, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, because my initial thing was like, well, this kind of does make sense for, you know, late 1800s to, you know, 18... Or, like, uh, you're, you're talking almost 
1830, what was it? 1837, so like 102 years previous. Yeah, but I mean, if you're looking at it like some sort of supernatural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, thing. unless, well, and we'll talk about like what we think is going on here, but mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean, something that's that similar that mm -hmm. spans over 100 years. Yeah. You know, it can't be, you know, the same guy. At the very least, it can't be the same person. Yeah, right. 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 Okay. And I was thinking that it was, it, it w there was sort of some sort of like possible tie in. And, you know, same with the Mad Gasser who was around in 1941, you know, 1939, 1941. I mean, that's like mm -hmm. over in Illinois. So yeah. those are pretty close. Yeah. Just, um, just in case, because I knew we might kind of connect some dots there. Mm -hmm. For those listening, uh, yeah. the Mad Gasser was, it, it's known as the Mad Gasser of Mattoon, and that's yep. Mattoon, Illinois, 1944. That would be rad. Season 2, Episode 18, The Mad Gasser of Mattoon. Mm -hmm. uh, Mattoon, Illinois, and Provincetown are about 12, uh, approximately 1,200 miles apart. Mm. Not that that yeah. would put, you know, a huge, it's not, in other words, it wouldn't be conceivable Impossible. necessarily to have a siding uh, in Provincetown and then Mattoon like on the same night, mm -hmm. for example, because unless the, uh, unless the springs can get them there that far. <laughs> yeah, which, well, but I mean, if there's a teleportation Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying, yeah. Mm -hmm. So the chief of police, uh, police, the chief of police, Anthony Tarvers, would state that the Black Flash sightings were merely a prank by four boys. Come on, Tony. Um, Tony Tarvers. Yeah, yeah, old Tony. Uncle Tony Tarvers. That were local to the area. According to his statement, which wasn't technically official, uh, he said that he knew the identity of one of the boys, and so he would speak to him and his parents, and around this time is when the sightings stopped. So... You know, I would imagine that old Uncle Tony probably, I don't think any of this is true, but I could see him making up this thing and saying, oh, yeah, I'm a, I talked to the parents and they put an end to it real quick. Sounds like and Uncle Tony's is the, is, uh, sounds like he's the guy. Oh, he could be the guy, yeah. He claimed that the boys would split into two groups. <laughs> this is hilarious. The, basically, the little rascals trick where one would be on the other one's shoulders. Yes. And then they would cover themselves with a large black cape and then use a flower sifter as a mask. Uh, okay. Magically, though, two boys, you know, one boy on the other one's shoulders, somehow that boy was still strong enough to jump 10 plus mm -hmm. feet into the air. <laughs> so I'm uh. not sure... But let's just say that this, this, you know, let's just say the lady is hysterical and it's yeah. an over-exaggeration and it's just one foot up into the air. A tenth of what she said. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And this guy's got somebody, this kid has got somebody on their shoulders mm -hmm. and then they they jumped a full foot off of the ground. Right. Uh, without just toppling over, by the way. And also having the ability to be shot with a pistol at mm -hmm. close range and then just laugh. Now, the boiling water did get him, though. I mean, the bull, Forget yeah, about bullets. Forget about bullets. That is true. I think what we learned here is this. If there's somebody jiggling your door handle for, at the very least, eight minutes, mm -hmm. don't worry about getting the gun out, man. Get, get, that, that, get that hot plate out. Get, get, you, get you a pot of water going. 
Mm-hmm. The theme is this. Always be ready to have ramen or to dump mm. that hot water on a, on a scary intruder. Man, I do love ramen. We're just giving them gold today, man. Yeah. Well, can I tell you, I mean, I know you wanted to talk about some potential similarities and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's interesting that you say all that and some of the things you said because I kind of found a little something too. Ooh. But first, it's going to require me to kind of get into some history here, all right? Okay. This is something I did not know. Now, whenever you think of, you know, the pilgrims and May- the Mayflower and all this kind mm. of stuff, the first thing that comes to mind is what? Um, history Award. Indians. Okay. Plymouth Rock, man. Okay. Oh. Right? I mean, that's not the first thing I think. Well, of. I mean, in terms of like, where did they go? The, they landed where? Plymouth Rock. Yes. That's the first thing I always think of. The truth is, Provincetown was actually the very first place that they landed. They were kind of... Um, Wait. With, yeah, oh, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. So they basically came into the Cape of Cape Cod. So when the pilgrims were on the Mayflower, they reached, they were first greeted because of the way that it's shaped. Uh, the sandy shores of Provincetown. Mm. They had just gotten done with this like extremely difficult two-month journey across the Atlantic. Now, again, for our international listeners and for people that just kind of forgotten history, I know you got the history wars, you probably remember this just perfectly. Mm -hmm. You know, these are folks that are like seeking refuge from like, they, they want some religious freedom here and they're on a boat. They're willing to just be on a boat for two months. And I gotta tell you, that sounds like a nightmare. It sounds like hell. I mean, I get seasick really easy. Also, where's everybody going to the bathroom? It's just disgusting. Okay, anyway. Yeah. So they've been on this long journey. They see these, like, beaches of uh, Provincetown. Mm-hmm. And uh, before they went ashore, basically, men from the ship, they signed. That's when they signed the Mayflower Compact, which, mm-hmm. you know, would then serve later as a, as a model for the, for the founding fathers and stuff. But once they were on the land... Uh, most of the, the women were like cleaning the, the, the soiled clothing and the, and, uh, the men were kind of exploring kind of not too far inland, mm-hmm. but they, you know, found some corn and had like a small skirmish with some of the Native American tribes there. And then the following month, dude, like a month later is when they moved to Plymouth. So mm. super interesting that situation interesting. here. Now, when I started looking into the history of this and stuff and, and I read that thing about mm, Native Americans, huh? I wonder if there might be oh, man, I love some this. sort of Native American tie-in of something similar to this that we're talking I about. I can think of nothing cooler than that. Yeah. And here's what I found. There were a couple different tribes that were in that area, but one of the most prominent was the Wampanoag, okay? And we've pr- you've probably heard us talk about them before because they have... Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, God, what's the little, like... Uh, the Puckwudgies? Yes, that's it, the Puckwudgie, yeah. right? These little... History um, Award. History Award. <laughs> uh, you know, they're... Um, the Puckwudgies were like the little, almost sort like... Of, uh, like el- gnomes, almost. Yeah, gnomes, like little people in the Although, in the although some of them were, were known as like being like hairy, I think. Yeah. Almost like little Bigfoot. Okay. Big feet. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, one of their other traditions talks about this thing called the Hobomock, or the... Chepi. Okay? Mm. Now listen to this, man. The Chepi, or the Hobomok, is a most treacherous and hideous being. Hobomok lurks in the nighttime shadows. Some people, 
would not go out alone at night for fear of an encounter with this frightful fiend. He is their boogeyman, the equal to, and as they became, as they converted converted to Christianity, they would then refer to the Hobomach as devil. According to their traditions, those who were in harmony with their fellow beings and seeking the presence of the great spirit in their lives didn't have any cause to be intimidated by Hobomach. Mm. Again, sometimes they called him the cheapy, which translates to mean ghost. Mm. This evil phantom was the source of pain, sickness, emotional distress, frequently material. Listen to this, dude. I saw this, and whenever you were talking about this, like, teleportation stuff, full body chills here. Mm. He frequently materializes in various grotesque apparitions, including, now this is where it gets a little scary, impersonations of departed loved ones or enemies, always Mm. dressed in dark clothes. Wow. Yeah. And dude, I mean, that's fascinating. Dude, and it's right here. This this lore comes from this area. Now, fast forward, what is that? I don't know, over 300 years later, right? Mm-hmm. And now we have people in this small town seeing something pretty dang similar. Now, I'm not saying people didn't give a crap about Native American lore and history in 1939, but mm-hmm. also I'm kind of saying that. Oh, you know, like in other words, this isn't somebody that's just like, oh, I think I saw that. And it reminds me of something that I read, you you know, last night and it scared me. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah. So immediately whenever I read that, I thought, oh, man, I wonder. Because initially, Mm -hmm. you know, you find that easy comparison with Spring Hill Jack. Mm -hmm. And you think to yourself, okay, well, now we know it's 102 years, can't be the same person. But my mind also goes to, and I think we talked about this in that episode as well as the Mad Gasser. Mm-hmm. What if there was like a fraternal organization of these people who, again, wanted to just spend their time scaring others? Weird, yeah. but okay. Maybe that's how it could be 102 years apart. So that's fascinating that you said that because I did some other research, and I'm not going to get too heavy into this because this is probably its own episode here, but... Have you ever heard of the Spectre Leaguers of 1692? Not at all. So in this area of Gloucester, you know, right in the middle of all the witchcraft accusations of of New England, apparently there was this, uh, they were invaded by these spectral company of soldiers that were known to come out of the swamps or cornfields. They were always in a group. They would approach you know, soldiers that were on guard. Every single time that the, 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 you know, the actual soldiers would shoot their guns, the bullets had zero effect. It, it always seemed like nothing ever happened. The bullets, you know, never did anything. Their speech was in an unknown tongue. They did carry guns uh, that, that apparently did have real bullets because they would, they would dig them out of trees you know, after they would disappear. Hmm. This was, the alarm of this became so great that Major Samuel Appleton of Ipswich sent about 60 men on the 18th of July for the town's assistance under these inexplicable alarms, which they had suffered night and day for about a fortnight together. So you got to think, man, like around this like particular garrison in in, uh, Gloucester, these sort of spectral 
characters are coming. They were, they were known to have, they were all white, white waistcoats, white britches, white, white everything. They were just these like, you know, they claimed that they were, you know, the devil mm. uh, and his agents. It, Cotton Mathers even gets into this. He was a sort of a big figure in the, uh, like the Salem witch trials and stuff. Mm-hmm. They actually talk about Cotton Mathers in, um, you know, the uh, Legends of Sleep. Scream 1. <laughs> Do they? Oh, no, no. no yeah. I'm kidding. Yeah. So this is interesting. Even Cotton Mather would comment about how he saw a number of rollicking apparitions, apparitions dressed like gentlemen in white waistcoats and breeches, kept Gloucester and the neighboring towns in a state of feverish excitement and alarm for a whole fortnight together. There was a guy by the name of Ebenezer Babson who who was staying in a home with the rest of his family. Almost every single night would hear noises as if some people were walking or running around the house or in the house. And it would sound like, he would even claim that it would sound like marching. But we're talking like a full troop of soldiers marching. And then one night when he was out really late, when he returned home, and this is fascinating, he saw two men coming out of his own front door. What? And then, yeah, when they saw him, they ran swiftly, you know, out of out of the house into the adjoining cornfield and then completely disappeared. When he went in, he immediately questioned his family who were sitting up reading, sitting by the fire, and they promptly replied that no one had been there all night. Man. Which is a... It's like, is that like an alien abduction type thing? I mean, that's that's so bizarre. Oh, I mean, and then too, like, I mean, this area of our country, again, for the benefit of the international listeners, first off, we're probably even saying Provincetown wrong because in Massachusetts, oh, for sure. they just, it's probably like, uh, you know, I don't even remember. Anyway, so if we're saying some of these places incorrect, our mm-hmm. apologies, our Massachusetts listeners will, will let us know uh, what we <laughs> yeah. did wrong for sure in a good way. We always love mm-hmm. that stuff. Well, I specifically... Or I, I don't yeah. I can't even do it. I can't do the no, accent. No, no, I, I specifically looked up what looks like Gloucester, but it's actually just pronounced Gloucester, Gloucester. You understand what I'm saying, folks? Okay. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> even no, this no, no. area of our country is, like, to us, yeah. one of the, like, oldest parts of our country in terms of, like, the architecture. And, and because this is kind of where the, the pilgrims first came and, and settled, mm-hmm. this is, like, in terms of, any sort of, what would you call it, like European influence, oldest, right? Well, I mm-hmm. mean, that's not true either, the Spanish forts and stuff in other places. But I'm just saying, like, it is a perfect setting for scary stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, and so perfect. as you're describing that, I'm just like in my mind visualizing these like old, yeah. you know, rickety sort of like homes. And this guy's just like kind of off on their own, you know, down mm-hmm. some lonely dirt road. Uh, because, you know, back then too, it wasn't like it is now where you're just like, you know, you can spit out your window and it'll hit your neighbor's house. Right. It was spread out, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah. God, and just to, just to think that, you know, these guys dealt with, and it's relatively kind of close to the same area, basically a ghost army. Yeah. I mean, this really is, uh, I mean, some would call this like an invasion and I've still got a, a little bit more I want to get into with this, but. I mean, they they claimed that they were just completely being invaded for several days. Man. Which is wild. One of the things about this, before we move on, so Babson, you know, the gentleman that came home and 
he saw the two men come out his front door and then his family sitting in there and they have no idea. Mm-hmm. He runs after, after he asks his family, he grabs his gun, runs back out. So originally he saw two men. Then when he runs out back, when he runs back outside, he sees three men just stand up from behind a fallen log. And then they run off into the swamp. Good Lord. And so this is a thing that is really interesting to me. This idea of, and, and this, the reason I bring this up is there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of parallels between the Mad Gasser, the Black Flash, the Spring Hill Jack, and these characters, which again, it's right in that same area where they come out and they do something and then they run off in a short distance almost to have some someone like chase them. And if this is sounding familiar, if mm. you know where I'm going with this, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up our pal Tim Marshenko's book, Disembodied Voices. Oh, yeah. And it's just this common idea that's that sort of runs through all these stories of, okay, this thing's coming out, or it's making a noise, or it's, you know, doing something to get our attention, and then it sort of runs off into the woods. And my thought is, you know, like Tim states in the book, is it just like a trap? So you mm-hmm. go running after this thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a, just, like trying to lure you in. Yeah, like like luring you in. Yeah, and it kind of like go, to go back uh, into uh, the the Hobomok or the the Wampanoag mm. lore that that entity you know that represents their like evil thing. I mean, one thing that I didn't mention also is like in some of their tales, this thing, this cheapy. Uh, mm-hmm. would also like peel back the eyelids of adults, man, so that they could never sleep again. I mean, just you oh know, weird stuff, dude. So That's crazy. I started thinking about this, and it's something that we kind of get to every now and then when we when we talk about these like sort of old, mm-hmm. the old world or the old world lore and all this kind of stuff. It, and it's this thing kind of like in Neil Gaiman's American Gods. It, it reminds oh, yeah. me of these like old gods, you know, like yeah. with a lowercase g mm-hmm, and it, right. and we talk about this kind of stuff i started we we end up talking about this theme i think nearly every episode unless we're talking about old toys that i found and that <laughs> yeah. is that like by talking about something and exploring it and thinking mm-hmm. about it you're kind of like bringing life to that in some way yeah and you know just for an example us talking about the black flash you know mm-hmm. but us talking about the 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 cheapy are these like old gods that are kind of like sticking around and like appearing every now and then, you know, maybe they Mm -hmm. have their own set of rules that they have to sort of abide by or not just rules necessarily, but like uh, um, constraints and or structured, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. I know this to the casual listener who got hooked on our show because we were talking about the eighties last week. And now we're talking about the cheapy. I understand that we can seem kind of like far out and out there. Mm-hmm. But like like Tyler was saying, our fascination with this historical lore and then fast forwarding 300 plus years later, uh, you know, and, and even more than that, mm-hmm. where people in 1939 in this small town at the tip of Cape Cod mm-hmm. are experiencing this. Man, that's just fascinating as heck to me. But I think yeah. we should, let, 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 let's get into what we think is going on here or some of like our thoughts and ideas about it. 
Okay. Besides, besides like the potential of it being, you know, a manifestation of, of like an old God or something like that. Yeah. D- to, to sort of uh, lean into like what you were just saying, I, I kind of had that same thought as far as like, okay, you have these things. Are these things just, you know, you kind of, you kind of hinted at like the idea of like the tulpa almost, or like, you know, by us talking about this, are we keeping this like sort of memory alive and not just figuratively, but are we keeping it alive? Like on like a, some sort of, you know, molecular level, if you will, Mm -hmm. where we're giving thought to it, we're giving our energy into it by just thinking about it and talking about it and our enthusiasm and emotions. Like, are we actually like somehow pouring into these things? And so it's funny that you brought that up because I had the same thing. I started thinking of, are these, are these just sort of more modern versions of the trickster archetype? Mm, like, mm-hmm. like Loki, like, and, and there's a whole list of characters. I mean, here, here's some that I, that I was thinking of um, that I feel like could be, I don't know, they, 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 maybe not all the characteristics, but a lot of these share these characteristics. So like the idea of like shadow people, mm-hmm. you know, I've had an encounter with this when I was a kid, absolutely terrifying this thing walks across, and the hat man, they're kind of the same, one and the same, just different silhouettes. This thing was in my bedroom, walked over, and just stood at the end of my bed while I was in absolute, I mean, absolute, like, terrified. Like, God absolutely man. terrified. And so my idea is, is there, is there a component to this that's just about, like, is it, like, feeding on, like, just the fear? Mm, my, and it goes like Pennywise. Kind of like Pennywise, yeah. and it goes to the story. It, you know, if we're taking this as as a factual account of like the kids, you know, that were in the dunes, they run to their house. Here's this thing jiggling this handle of the door, banging on the door, laughing, sort of taunting for like eight minutes until water boiled. So it like, reminds me. I think this is a great place to to play eight minutes. Of, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. And and so it's it's that idea that like. The intention was never to actually hurt the people or hurt the kids, but it was that it, it needed the that response, that fear mm, response to mm, like mm. give it. It's power. almost like they're harvesting that yeah. fear, you know, Absolutely. like growing the, or like sowing the seeds of fear, mm-hmm. so that it can continue to be relevant or or exist in in some way. Man, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you have Springhill Jack, you have the Mad Gasser. You also have this other character called the Phantom Stabber, which was in Bridgeport, Connecticut in 1926, who kind of did the same thing. There were, I mean, it's crazy. There were like 26 attacks. It's kind of hard to find some stuff about it, but but a lot of the attacks were like the same kind of thing. It was just like this character was in a cloak and this dark cloak would come up and just like at most would, you know, wrap its hands around somebody's throat or like slice their... Their arm, or like stab them in the leg, like it's stuff that like is clearly not intended to like kill the person. Yeah, you know. So is it? Yeah, man. Is it just and and then like the Mad Gasser, like we said in 1941, Illinois. Yeah, it didn't kill anybody. It could have like crazy. It could have killed somebody, but it 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 feels like it's. I don't know. I just feel like if somebody, if the intention was to kill someone, it would be pretty easy. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? If you have a knife and you're able to get close enough to put your hands around the person's throat, 
if you wanted to do real damage, you, you know, you could. But in this same kind of area, Dover, Massachusetts, the Dover Demon, mm. we have the, like I said, the Phantom Staver, that was 1926 in Bridgeport. The Spectre Leaguers, which I just talked about in 1692, same kind of thing. All these accounts, and I, I want to do a show on them, like a full show, because it's it's a pretty extensive... Sounds like we, sounds like we got it. <laughs> well, no, um, dude, it gets a lot deeper. I know, I'm just kidding. But the weird, th- there, there's other weird things about it, uh, and I'm not going to give it all away, but no, there's... just don't. Well, if no, we're no, going to do listen, a show about it, then we'll no, no, do no, a listen, show. No, 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 listen, though. Listen to this account, so, because this is like... Um, this is something that plays into the idea of teleportation or the idea of bilocation, if you will. Mm-hmm. So there's accounts with these phantom leaguers. And again, this is, you know, this is 1692, where a person would see three of these soldiers, all dressed in all white. He would shoot one, and all three would fall to the ground at the same time, as if they were all shot. Weird. Yeah, and there's all these weird little things like that 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 immediately made me think that it's it's something tied together. Mm. There was, in Czechoslovakia in 1939, oh, okay. uh, there was a character called the Spring Man, and they called him Perak. And he did the, he was literally the exact same thing as, as Spring Hill Jack. And this guy almost. And this guy. Like, and and there so was, in that same year, too. Yeah, right. This one's a little darker. Uh, there was one called the London Monster in 1788. Mm. Over 30 accounts. I think a couple people actually did die with that one. But the same kind of thing, like, you know, jumping out, grabbing people, like slashing them kind oh of thing. Oh, boy. The Halifax Slasher in 1938. He was a character who would do the same thing, but was known to... Um, he never did, like, any real damage, but he would, like slice like people's like legs God and some people claim to see like knives attached to his knees mm. it, it's really weird and then we get into you know 1966 New Jersey the grinning man which is another kind of character where these kids see these this this dude on the other side of a fence they're walking home at night under like a, a big street light and they see this character who doesn't I mean this is to me this feels different but I but I feel like the motives feel similar, where he has a smile, a grin that's like bigger than his face. Oh, God. Yeah. They, there's no... Why do we got to talk about this stuff so late at night? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. There's no uh, no ears, no nose. Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, it gets weird. It's the, weird. This face has... Oh, no. no what? Not, it just sounds scary, man. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. But again, it's all these things, and it, and it ties into... You know, like I said, I, I made a list. We have the Black Monk of Pontefract. I think we've we've talked about him. Never heard. We of have the, the Bell Witch. That's definitely supernatural. But there's a lot of that same, like fe- like feeding with fear kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the Mothman. Uh, you have the Phantom Clown phenomenon, where these mm-hmm. people would just see these clowns and they would just stand there. And it's like, you know, Sam the Sandown Clown. I think mm-hmm. can even fit into this. The Harlequin, mm-hmm. and then. Like I just said, you know, the Grinning Man, which t- somehow ties into Indrid Cold, but I've never quite seen the the connection of those two, so I don't know. But basically all that to say, I think the motive isn't to actually, like, hurt people. I think it's to just draw out this sort of fear response for some mm-hmm. reason. Yeah, harvest that fear, man. I, I yeah. like that. When I say I like that, folks, please understand that I, I don't mean, <laughs> hey, man, that you know, good on you. I mean, 
Like, that's a cool concept. I mean, yeah. it's an interesting way to think about this outside of, you know, because on, on, on one hand, like, I also think it's equally fascinating to think of this fraternal organization of weirdos. I mean, because there, there are weird people out there that get their kicks out of some weird Yeah, right. You know? And so, like, yeah. it doesn't always have to be killing. But, you know, some of those killers, like, in these true crime things, they kind of test the waters a little bit, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, so many, I go back to this almost every time, look, now you guys know why I don't want my blinds open. Yeah. Because I don't want some grinning man or a freaking, um, you know what I mean? And and mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes I wonder, like, how come we don't hear more about this kind of stuff? I truly do think a large part of it is it has to be the fact that, like, you're gonna get you're gonna get shot, man, mm-hmm. if you try to just like peep outside of somebody's window. There's a there's a high chance that you're just gonna, I'm, you know, if you're doing it in my house. I mean, I probably fight you first. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, but like if you're, I'm shooting you 100. percent I don't know, man. You just don't hear a lot about like people going to such great lengths, right? Nowadays, right? Like full, full get up and jumping and hopping ten feet mm-hmm. and looking. You know what I mean? So I did have this this other thought, and I mean it's really far fetched, and I'm kind of thinking with my science fiction brain, okay. but I like the idea of. Especially with these, um, like the Specter Leaguers of sixteen ninety two, like there's mm-hmm. some there there's some things where you know people would say that they lo- almost looked like they were glowing. One of the characters would had like a gun over his shoulder that he pulled out that was like he called it a bright gun, so it was like glowing. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you know my storyteller brain kicked up the idea of like, well, what if the, what if they're like from the future, mm-hmm. you know, and... Now you're talking about language. Yeah, I know. I knew you'd like this. That's what I'm, that's what I'm bringing up. And the idea of like, okay, well, you, sh- you know, you shoot one and then there's three of them and then they all fall exactly in the same way. Is that just some sort of like hologram mm-hmm. type thing? And these these characters that, that come in and just, you know, will just like slice someone's leg or, you know, tear someone's clothes, are they doing that just enough to get like a DNA sample to take Ooh. back. Man, that's a great thought. Here's another thing. I know. When there are like moments like that, like the one you're talking about, the Phantom Leaguers, who one gets shot, all three of them fall down. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think of that, and this is a perfect example, dude, of imagine, you know, you're, let's just say we've formed a company, it's called, you know, Rad Incorporated, and mm-hmm. we invented a time machine. But, like, how do we know if it works? How do we know if this guy, if it just, mm. you know, makes a lot of noise and he comes back instantly, and, we're, and how do we know that that guy really went back? Well, mm-hmm. it's easy. He's going to go and do this on this day, and then we'll be able to read about it later in history. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. like, it's their experiment of not causing anybody, oh, like, I see physical saying. harm, yeah. but, like, you know, whether or not there's some psychological harm there, <laughs> that, you know, I'm sure those people are like that guy, yeah. but them taking DNA samples to see if maybe, it, you know, was there anything different about our DNA back mm-hmm. then? Yeah, whatever it is, dude. I mean, that is, yeah, I like that. Well, and and also it, it kind of it kind of brought me into, you know, specifically like the buzzing noises mm-hmm. and specifically the the two men walking out of the house and then the people right there in the living room were like, what are you talking about? It's that, I, that, that like sort of men in black. And I don't mean like the Will Smith version, but the actual men in black, you know, where 
they're able to, I mean, that's where, you know, they get it in, in those sort of, I think it was originally like a comic or whatever, but, you know, they have ways of making people like forget things and, but I, I don't know that I, I think there could be something to, if we're looking at this, like from the lens of like the disembodied voices. And I never thought once I started doing the research on this, I never thought that, it, you know, the, this road would lead there, mm-hmm. but most if roads look, do. Yeah. Most roads do actually. Yeah. And again, if you guys haven't picked up the book by uh, Tim Marchenko, Disembodied Voices, get out there now mm-hmm. and and pick it up because it's awesome. But if you're looking at it through that lens, I do like this idea of like this thing like running off in hopes that the people will like give chase mm-hmm. and go after it. So are they going to run off into the woods to find it? Mm. You know, I just keep on coming back to like, why would, okay, let's just say, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, you know, I keep on coming back to like, why would somebody just like jump out, uh, you know, in the middle of a crowd only yeah. to like spring away mm-hmm. fast enough to where like, I mean, surely they didn't think that, uh, well, this lady's going to chase me. I'm mm-hmm. leaping 10 feet at a time. Yeah. I feel like they're either, it's either something that is doing something significant enough to make waves that they can kind of prove, aha, I was there, time travel. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's that, you know, entity trying to stir up some fear so it can be yeah. relevant and exist. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just some jackass with a cape that wants to scare women. Who's a mad scientist <laughs> and has figured out a way to jump yeah. 10 feet in the air. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's so much, so many different directions you could go with this story, but... I'm just, I'm so Dude, I'm happy. glad you found this, man, because like, yeah. not only does it make me think about all those other cool stories in, in mm-hmm. previous episodes, but it's just like, it, you know, I love it when we can get into some Native American lore. And I don't know, man, that's just an interesting time. That, mm-hmm. that there's the pre-internet, pre-technology, even, you know, like we always talk about 80s and 90s, but I mean, you know, early 1900s. Yeah. 1600s, you know, mm-hmm. colonial America, those time periods, man, there's, there's like, I don't know, man, I think there's just like some untapped creatures and ghosts oh, and yeah. goblins and all kinds of stuff that, that we, uh, that I look forward to diving into on our show. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Close your blinds, lock your doors. Please don't walk by yourself late at night. Yeah. Especially you over-emotional ladies out there. God, we all know how like you <laughs> like to spin a yawn. <laughs> If you want to find us, you can over on Instagram. That's where the bulk of our social media presence is. Drop us a DM if you want to tell us about a story or a your own paranormal encounter. Jump in the comment section. If it's more of like a long-form thing, shoot it over to thatwouldberadpod at gmail.com. Even better than all those things. Head on over to thatwouldberadpodcast.com, our website where it's sort of a one-stop shop. You can leave us reviews. You can jump on the, any podcatcher and listen to the show. You can do all the things. And uh, what's even cooler is if you do want to tell us your story, which we would absolutely love to hear it, you know, with your permission, we'd love to, to play these on the show. Mm-hmm. It's one of our favorite things. And we sort of stockpile these and, and release them sort of intermittently. Yeah. But if you'd like to do that, you can record the voice memo on the site and it comes directly to us. So that's really cool. Get out there, tell one single friend about the show. If you've got time, leave us a five-star review. Sorry again about the copper kid situation. Mm -hmm. If you aren't getting enough 
in the regular feed and you want just a little bit more, head on over to our Patreon, The Rabbit Trail. Mm-hmm. We always have a good time over there. It's loosey-goosey, and uh, it's just sort of a continuation of, of this just later at night. And uh, I guess that's about it. You got anything else, Woody? I think that's it, man. Oh, when are we kicking in uh, Camp Rad Strangeness this year? I would say first episode of June. So coming up pretty quickly. Pretty quickly. All right, we'll get those sleeping bags ready, and uh, we can't wait. So we love you, we appreciate you, and as always, be rad. That's the way it
access granted. Because, like, what the, oh, I don't want to go down this rabbit trail, but I'm gonna. <laughs> uh, like, I said something, oh, you know, like, I have these things, same with my wife, but we'll, we'll like, say these phrases from things that we like, and we expect just the world to either understand what we're talking about or know mm. them. So the other day I said something like, everyone knows the moon's made of cheese. And the kids are like, what? <laughs> and it's from like some like episode of Wallace and Gromit that I watched when I was a kid. Anyway. so I, I wouldn't have got that. Yeah. I always felt like they those, I mean, I, I appreciate them now as an adult, but I don't know. Hey, speaking of new cartoons, uh, and I know we're, we're really, <laughs> really off to a slow start, but I do got to say this. Um, the, I can't think of his name, probably because I can never pronounce his name, but the guy that uh, is responsible for like the Samurai Jack show mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then Primal, he just came out with a show and I haven't seen it yet because I've just I've kind of been slammed, but uh, it's called Unicorn Warriors Eternal or Eternal Warriors. Hold on. Probably should say figure it. it out before you announce it on a, yeah. on a show, you know. Don't even bother, man. I'm cutting it. <laughs> it's called Unicorn Warriors Eternal, and uh, man, it looks really cool. Sounds awesome, man. Cutting mm-hmm. it. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> what are you talking about? Nobody. If you go to the web, hey man, I don't know if you know this. We have a website now. Oh, our. I thought you were there. talking about um, our Instagram. Okay, Grant. Uh, <laughs> Almighty, what am I, what's happening here? 